Welcome to the Let's Talk podcast Life in Lockdown from the University of Edinburgh and Edinburgh Students Association, keeping us together and sharing experiences in this extraordinary period of social distancing. I'm Harriet Harris, the University Chaplain, and today I'm talking to Heather McAdam, a third-year undergraduate intercalating with global health and soon to return to the medical school. Heather is also the Student Association Rep for the Medical School and founder of the mental health support community, WellMed. Heather spoke in the previous Let's Talk podcast series on suicidality. Now she is back to tell us about her work during lockdown with the Scottish Government Mental Health Directorate, engaging young people in policy making. She describes some of the key challenges of lockdown for students who are caught in a middle ground between governmental and societal focus on school education on the one hand and on business and employment on the other. Can governments and organisations reach out more to students, she asks. And now that the old social influencers have stepped back, can young people step forward? Heather, I'm so glad that we could get together over Zencaster this afternoon. Uh, it, It was brilliant to have you in the first series of podcasts. And so I'm delighted that you've come back to have a conversation this time. Uh, can you introduce yourself first, please, Heather? Yeah, thank you very much, firstly, for having me. Um, I'm Heather, a third year student um, intercalating in global health policy, but um, in August I'll be going back to medical school. I also am the USA representative for the medical school and I help from the peer support group WellMed. Yeah, WellMed is a is a, a wonderful creation that you've made, Heather, about uh, well-being and community in the medical school. Can you tell us uh, where you were when lockdown happened, Heather? Um, so I was actually in my flat. I was self-isolating because I this was just about a week and a half after they said if you have um, coughing or a fever, um, I self-isolate for two weeks. So yeah, I was there. We were in bed just um, watching on BBC News, a lot of live broadcasts, and we kind of realised, oh, it's going to change a bit. So it was uh, it was an interesting moment for the flat. Everyone kind of just ran and all made quick arrangements to see if they could escape or not. Okay. So then you had to make the decision, do, do I stay in Edinburgh? Do I get back to family before the travel restrictions uh, fully kick in? Yeah. Or go elsewhere, indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so with um, me, it was, I was pretty sure, certain that my parents were going to be shielding, uh, which they ended up getting the letter. Um, and I thought I would rather be up so I can help them out, especially since at the time we didn't know if it was going to go on for weeks, months, no idea what was happening. And just also, I think I was, because I was um, self-isolating and hadn't been outside in a week and a half, I missed things like a garden I miss mm. space. I miss light. Um, my flat looks onto another set of flats, so it wasn't the most airy of places. Um, mm. Yes, so it was a bit of a big decision in that sense. Yeah. So you decided to go back to your parents. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. And yeah. where? And so where are you now, Heather? Um, I'm just outside Aberdeen. It's a little village. It's um, surrounded by fields. You have to walk at least an hour to the nearest big supermarket but um it's a nice refreshing change there's not much to do but it's um space and when I first arrived it didn't really feel 
any different to how it normally felt here. Um, now that you see like delivery men with masks and stuff, you can tell that times have changed a bit. But when I first arrived, it was same old, same old, which was kind of nice in a way. Mm. Because it's generally quiet, you mean, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, not 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 lots of people about. Mm-hmm. So there'll be lots of people who are thinking how nice, you know, to have the space and the fields and perhaps even the obligatory hour walk <laughs> to get some food from yeah. the supermarket. Yeah. Um, uh, and how are you finding life in lockdown? Um, I'm finding it quite good. Um, I... I, I mean, it's it's been strange. Um, last time I came to live back home for an indefinite period was actually when I was quite ill. Um, and it was kind of when I was having bad problems with anxiety and stuff. So when I first came, I thought it would be quite similar. But for me, it's been surprisingly chill. I've, I've also, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of stuff that that seems to be the general consensus um amongst a lot of people that have anxiety it's just it's quite nice to have this period of certainty of just staying home um which I know a lot of people often think it's a period of uncertainty but um in a sense it's a lot of stabilization that I wouldn't normally have in my day-to-day life that's uh, so interesting to hear you say that because I suppose there is the certainty that you haven't got to to decide what to do in a day or whether you can manage uh, such and such in a day because what the day beholds is pretty much set out for us isn't it with the limitations on uh, being able to go out yeah like um that was the thing when I like was going out near before I self-isolated and was going out in Edinburgh and like the mood was starting to change a bit I found it extremely stressful of what I touched where I went where I walked um and then also, like, are we going to go into lockdown as other countries are going into lockdown? Or are we going to just deal with it, in a sense? Um, and that, for me, was extremely anxiety-provoking. But then when I was told, okay, everyone has to stay home, it was kind of standardised what everyone did. So you wouldn't have some people staying at home because they felt it was a safer option and everyone else doing what they wanted. Um, it was kind of a controlled environment in a weird national sense um Mm. which wasn't it's not nice but in a sense that sense of control that is given me or other people has been weirdly reassuring it's a bit of a um oxymoron in that sense it's 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 reminding me of uh how it felt it now seems ages ago that lockdown started, doesn't it? Though really it's only, what, about six weeks. But uh, it, it's reminding me of how it felt when it was announced that there was uh, almost a palpable um, sense of relief and calm as though, okay, now we know. Now we know what we're, what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, the thing that's, that, that is needed has finally been announced. And um, I, I, I remember speaking with a number of people at the university who... Uh, were concerned for for their health or the health of their family members or or others who who just felt hugely relieved once the decision had been made. Um, yeah. So you've just reminded me of that feeling. Actually, I'd I'd almost forgotten it. But. It was um yeah it was a strange it was a very strange kind of moment because even in the week when the university decided to 
pretty much close. Um, I remember getting emails from lecturers going like, um, well, we still have to go ahead with the seminar, but um, we're going to have to be two metres apart. So you don't all have to come because we probably won't be able to do that. And it was just like everyone seemed a bit on edge and it wasn't it, it wasn't great. Um, so, yeah, that kind of feeling of it was a sort of feeling when it was announced that your heart kind of sank a bit because you're like, OK, this is a lot of our freedoms pause mm. for a while but then at the same time it's like safety so it was it was an interesting kind of reflection on what was most important um yeah. and I feel like that's it's kind of gone in reverse at the moment because when we're recording this they haven't announced yet how they're gonna like loosen the restrictions and everyone knows something's going to be announced at the weekend um but no one knows what that's going to be and I, I feel even in the last few days I'm starting to feel that kind of uncertain dread um so it'll be interesting to see how it starts to uh, change around between freedom and safety yes it's going to be very interesting how that unfolds and the situations you were saying of seminars with people people being two meters apart those are the things we, we're needing to start planning for as of now and I guess uh, the differences that we we can be planning for them in the meantime, whereas at the beginning of before lockdown was announced, we were all caught a bit on the back foot, weren't we? So there's a little bit more preparation, but we probably are looking at a rather strange situation of classes happening, but in a very thinned out way, rooms organised differently, uh, a lot of people being online, some people being physically present. It's, it is going to be strange. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, realistically, we're going to feel the effects of these for at least a year to three years. And it's, it's, it's very strange. It's like a goodbye to the old world. Um, well, mm. I mean, it probably argued there's been a need for a lot of change, like in the period of even five, six weeks, the improvement in technology use has been insane. But at the same time, there's a whole now new level of loneliness especially amongst young people who are at university age like we're one of the most vulnerable groups for loneliness and I don't know if that problem is going to be even bigger or if we're going to find a new way to accept this kind of virtual reality. What a good question Heather and are people finding that with the uh with the with the necessary lockdown and therefore everybody having to be in their own places and not out mixing does that ease some of the pressure of loneliness and ease the fear of missing out and create more of a level playing field for people to connect or is it uh is it intensifying loneliness for some people that's such an interesting thing to explore yeah i we'll mean how it pans out it's it's very I feel like probably the fear of missing out is quite an important aspect of that in that probably for a lot of people that especially they're saying a lot about introverted versus extroverted people so perhaps the people that were on their own and they were happy being on their own but the thing that kind of really triggered them was the fact that oh it looks like everyone else is doing stuff well no one's doing that now and um, kind of some may argue for the greater good things like influencers on Instagram aren't able to post much anymore um so like a lot of that external pressure has gone but then you could also argue that the extroverts who perhaps very much push themselves to be out talking to everybody and anybody all the time they're probably 
feeling a bit suffocated right now so it's a it's a really strange thing and then again with anxiety people who have maybe a history of anxiety feel calmer right now but then for a lot of other people anxiety has been triggered so Mm. it's it's almost like tables are turning but if they turn back or not or how they're going to manifest or if it's just going to all grow until everyone basically has these problems it's um it's a kind of a worrying time but it also is a time that a lot of change could occur so we'll see yes I think it's a time when uh, some of the uh uh almost the blinds over our eyelids are being peeled back a bit aren't they so we say we will see it it's going to be interesting to see how we view things as we emerge out of this it it's um it's 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 very informative to hear your insights around mental health and mental health within your age group, Heather. And I know that you've been doing um, a placement during lockdown with the Scottish Government. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, Yeah, so I was really, really fortunate in that as part of my dissertation for my intercalated year, I was invited to work with Scottish Government to try and learn a bit more about the challenges of involving young people with mental health policy. And I was like super excited. We'd been planning it since last year. And then uh, I literally did my induction. And then a week or two later, lockdown happened. So it was a lot of panicked emails going like, okay, what do we do next? Um, And it was going to be, okay, we'll do um, a a desk-based study. So I'd work at home and then we'll try and get you on placement um, at Scottish Government. Um, And then... Um, as that looked increasingly unlikely we were like okay we're gonna have to figure out a way to structure a new virtual kind of placement and um, in a sense it's worked really really well which has been not just a relief but it's been really interesting because um, despite the government especially being very much in the middle of all this chaos and trying to essentially fix the country um, it's been really nice to see a lot of policymakers and a lot of young people still very much wanting positive change long term um, mm. and how some projects and like finding the balance between how some projects are being put on the back burner and some are emergency policy and how we're prioritizing everything again. Um, and that in all sectors for me has been super interesting. So seeing that for myself has been an incredible learning experience but then also things I'm reading about like the biggest like most amazing thing I um, heard the other day was um they had a five-year target in England and Wales to eliminate um people sleeping on the streets they managed to do it in two days and that kind of sums up how things like policy and governance and all the decisions made at the highest level, how quickly they can change and how things can really happen if people really want it to. So um, Mm. it's been not just like a big personal journey for me doing all of this and all the learning, but just kind of how the whole country works, how we're capable of change, how people are still very enthusiastic about what you could argue is the most important things. and that's finally been shed um, a light upon um, with because at the end of the day, it's these key things that are being prioritised now. 
yeah keeping people alive <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um i think as well as um yeah it's been keeping people alive from the virus itself but i think what it took quite a few people quite a few organizations even a few weeks or months even if you go back to january december when this was all starting and um, is the long-term impact it's going to be things like excess death so the excess death doesn't just um tell you like the covid deaths but things that may be secondary to that so it's predicted there'll be higher rates of um later stage cancer for instance because less people are getting tested at the moment or complications due to strokes but a big thing with young people that they're worrying about right now is higher incidence of mental health issues because people cannot get the help they need and then there's also this can be a very triggering environment, especially for people who have just started uni or who are trapped at home but are wanting to leave home and are that's odd age. Um, so yeah. it's 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 a really frightening time. But um, I heard someone describe that like this lockdown has given kind of society a chance to pause. And this yeah. chance to pause is kind of allowing different groups and organisations to, in a sense, get their work act together or continue the amazing work they were doing and kind of build up a strong structure. So when society starts again, hopefully everything will be a little bit better in how it's done. But again, yeah, all time will tell. Well, it's absolutely fascinating time to be involved with Scottish Government because you're seeing it uh, almost in two modes at once. Uh, from what you're describing, you're seeing uh, the move into emergency mode where people are working extremely hard, you know, firing on 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 all cylinders to make change happen very quickly, um, but also thrown into this strange vortex where, as you say, society pauses and we are standing back far more than we normally would in order to try and reimagine the future uh, so that's a really interesting dynamic. Dynamic, And you're uh, specifically working with the mental health director, aren't you? And with a focus on young people's mental health. What insights uh, are you having around that? And, and what are you able to contribute to the Scottish government's thinking? Um, I think like it's just, I, it's been a really kind of admirable, the amount of work, the amount of how much, it very much I feel the mental health directorate is passion project in a way in that people are really doing it because it's a thing they realize it needs to be reprioritized it has it's been a long time coming that this whole restructuring and refocusing um has needed to happen and um yeah I, I just like yeah the amount of work people are putting in and the amount of different issues that you're having to cover how even though Scotland is quite a small country, how varied is the issues, the challenges people are facing, um, and also the like importance of giving young people a voice as well. Um, I think that's something for, again, for a long time, governments and different organisations haven't been focusing on is, as we are in such a unique time right now, the perspective young people are going to have is going to be completely different and things that perhaps older people or adults over 25 will have never experienced before. So um, yeah, to get young people just to 
their voices need to be heard their stories especially um for me a big concern at the moment is students we it kind of seems like it's a forgotten middle ground you have everyone in work so the big economic reforms happening with that and then you have all the schools and the education reforms students are like a weird middle ground um we're not most of us aren't eligible for universal credit and a lot of people are stuck in accommodation on their own um yet universities are seen as a private separate thing and um it's also been interesting to see like there's been various posts put up by students saying like look we're all quite healthy in that sense and we're we've not got covid and we're safe from covid but things like our employment opportunities have been absolutely destroyed um our educational experience has also in a sense been destroyed we're in these for a lot of students tens of thousands of pounds in debt and we're really struggling to know what's going on with our lives um and it's actually been kind of sad because a lot of students you see like commenting on twitter and facebook going like ah that's not a real problem and and that's been really sad to see and it'd be really nice if governments or organizations could maybe reach out to students a bit because at the end of the day in one two three years time the effects of what students have gone through is going to affect a lot of things so that'll be interesting yeah Yeah. and and the the age and stage that uh that that's that most students are at this is uh going to be a very very formative event i mean it's globally so, and historically such a significant time in in the history of the earth actually not just of, of cultures um and so it's really formative for your age group isn't it heather and so we really want people to come out of it all the stronger all the more clear-sighted all the more impassioned um and uh, feeling that they are able to make the world that they want to live in. Yeah, so that's why I'm, it's, I feel it's so important even how the next year is shaped because I think this is very much the point that our generation can properly make a change. And um, so it all kind of links into having young people and children involved in things like the mental health directorate university students who are just away to graduate being able to create and shape the careers they want but we need to have the tools and support to let us do that effectively and at the moment there isn't much of that it's very much we'll just kind of wait and see um and it's very I realize it's very difficult to get that balance between obviously you want to prioritize lives first but you also need to consider livelihoods hope motivation for the future because that's the stuff that's going to get the ball rolling again so absolutely so so what are the what are the tools of support that you're seeing as most significant at the moment that would enable uh, young people to be contributing to the future um contributing and visioning yeah edinburgh uni in particular has um there's been a lot of students that have started different schemes um like the big one for medical students um is through uh, the Medic Share, which is babysitting for medical um, staff. Yeah, um, we've done a podcast with uh, with Sam and Jenny who have organised that. Oh, really? I was yeah, they, to them they, yesterday. Um, 
yeah sorry I was talking to them yesterday it's a small world. yeah great <laughs> yes yeah really good so that so yes they've um, they've spoken about that and it's really good work yeah um and then also um you a lot of time for um entrepreneurship happening mm. um and just um with um young people as well getting the right resources out there so young scott has been doing a lot of brilliant work the scottish government has created their own well-being page and um they're doing like virtual q and a's over instagram and things like that so just it's more of a chance to be seen in a sense um so as I was saying things like the influencers have have taken a step back and finally this might open a space for young people and for people who want to make change to step forward so um it's very much about just trying to at the moment I feel kind of scoping for ideas of what people want to see change how it's going to happen and then maybe in the next few months we'll actually see that come into practice yeah well that that's um, a, a really positive thing to be hoping and working towards how are you finding um what are the challenges of lockdown for yourself heather um i think for me i'm one who travels perhaps more than i should but i absolutely for traveling it's one of the best things for my mental health it's super freeing i love one of the best things i learn is through seeing different cultures and landscapes um Mm. and kind of that feeling of being trapped um is a strange one um Mm. i think for me as i've said like a big problem is the uncertainty and kind of I I, it's strange because I I'm quite fortunate and I know as a medical student we will be going back because they need doctors at the end of the day Mm. but Mm. even how hospitals will look in a few months how like where I'm going to live um what Edinburgh is going to be like I'm hoping to go back there as soon as I can and as soon as I'm allowed and I kind of it will be strange a city that I've almost in a sense grown up had those important formative years um be a ghost town especially Mm. over summer um it's the eeriness and the kind of divide in the world in a sense that you've seen very much in the states take a very different approach to Europe and how patterns that have happened historically may be occurring again and how yeah just it's going to be a big time of change so I guess it's that uncertainty of how that's going to look and if it will be for the better or not yeah very well put and I guess that the challenges uh the flip side to the challenges um is what is what you then discover (laughs) and I wonder if you've had a chance to reflect on things that you're discovering in lockdown that you might not have discovered otherwise um I've discovered that I've learned a lot of skills over the years so as I said like two years ago when I came back for mental health struggles um I just I very much struggled with coping being back in a pretty sleepy town and um, not having like purpose in a sense whereas now I have a lot more self-motivation and I don't get stressed or down into those spirals so 
like a lot of techniques I've learned are actually like when it comes to crisis situations they're showing to work which has been kind of really comforting in a sense yeah um very helpful and I guess it's just kind of the ability to try and make the most most of a bad situation so for example with my placement with Scottish government it's completely different to how it would have looked but it still works um yeah and I think in the past the control freak in me would have been like oh it's all ruined it's not how I I imagined it um but now I'm like oh we can we can figure something out so that's been quite Mm. good and it's probably the way we're going to have to be working into the future anyway isn't it at least for a while yeah more of the remote working yeah Uh, yeah that flexibility of things could change by the day which I, I I think is going to be a big challenge for people's mental health from all backgrounds all kind of mindsets and that yeah very much in a sense living life on the edge um uh it's yeah it's perspectives are probably going to change my perspective has changed um I'm one who normally has a calendar full for months ahead um it's empty for quite a while now um but I'm surprisingly okay with that I don't know if me two years ago would have been okay with that so new skills yeah 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 yeah. and 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 learning that uh learning that it can be okay to have an empty calendar possibly even releasing in some ways yeah I think that's like the big um message that should be sent is like it's okay not to be productive as well like I'm saying all Mm. these things about how young people can change the future start a revolution in a sense but at the same time the message of you are not working from home you are at home during a crisis is very important to highlight um like it is okay for your body and your mind to kind of in a sense be on panic mode because it is a life-threatening thing and if you know it's lingering like obviously you're going to be kind of on defense mode so it's okay if you cannot um mentally intellectually physically function in the ways you normally can because that's just not possible for the human body and that's not kind Mm. to the human body either Mm. and perhaps what we can do um is is allow that we grow into a greater kind of organic connectedness rather than be obsessed by productivity yeah like i was reading such an industrialized notion (laughs) yeah i think we're getting a little bit more back to back to nature aren't we yeah i was actually reading just because I wanted to read it, it ended up being incredibly topical. It's um, it's a book that's like twenty one problems for the twenty first century, um, and um, like a big part of that was since the revolution, we have been so focused. The industrial revolution, that is, um, we have been so focused on growth year on year, especially like success seems to be measured on economic growth each year. So, like, the thing is, though, for most of human history, that's not normal. Like, that's not what people consider as growth. People consider growth of families, um, having, like, living in a nice place, making it a nice place, 
producing beautiful products, whether that's in the arts or sciences. But um, the last hundred years or so, it's been very much on economic growth, employability, um, stock markets. They kind of dictate everything. And the thing is, if they're not growing, okay, it's bad for economic growth but it doesn't mean it's bad for society. I think we need to question how we prioritise things. We do not need to be increasing everything all the time. We can maybe just try and be okay with what we have. And then you'll get growth in another area, won't you? You'll get, you'll get sort of growth in, in character and, and community networks and uh, social depth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. I think that's the thing with even now we're having we're kind of um a lot more people I'm spending much more time with my family which is great like my parents and I know not everyone has that opportunity but then maybe they'll FaceTime family they never normally used to FaceTime and then on top of that you have all these schemes growing because you don't have the pressure of producing well unless you're a uni student of producing uh, deadlines on time uh, necessarily because you have that kind of security blanket I, I mean it's only for two months but it's something and with that you can think about what you really enjoy and what you're good at or what you want to get good at and try things you would never have the opportunity to do if it was focused purely on things like economic growth yeah Lovely. Well, let's leave people with that thought because that's a, a hopeful thought. And we will have time because lockdown isn't ending imminently. So we will have time to stretch ourselves into it a little bit. Heather, thanks so much. Been brilliant to talk to you again. Thanks for sharing uh, your always extremely helpful insights uh, and especially into young people and students and mental health. Thanks, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. For the latest university COVID-19 advice and news, Go to the University of Edinburgh website and you'll find all the links you need at the top of the homepage. If you would like to discuss any issues affecting you from this podcast or would like welfare support during lockdown, you can contact the university's listening service by emailing listening.service at ed.ac.uk. The listening service is run by the chaplaincy and is for all Edinburgh students and staff.